you're about to listen to another great show on the Four Eyed Radio Network. To listen to other shows just like this, go to foureyedradio.com. Like our show, Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast. Where we talk everything and anything about Pokemon. Learn something new. Like, did you know that every Pokemon card is misprinted on the back? The ball centerpiece opens on the wrong side. <laughs> what? I'm going to have to check that out. But yeah, you can learn stuff like that, which I just learned right now. Hey, amazing friends, just a heads up. In this episode, we will be discussing a story with a realistic portrayal of stalking. Situations like the one in this episode are dangerous and should be taken seriously. If the behaviors exhibited in this episode are familiar and you believe that you or someone you love are a victim of stalking, there are resources that can help. One such resource is the Stalking Resource Center through the National Center for Victims of Crime. Information and referrals for victims of stalking can be reached through their hotline at one 855 victim That's one 855 484 2846 And for emergencies, please call 911. Wallop and web snappers! My spider sense is tingling, tingling, tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek. And I'm Doug. And is your spider sense tingling? It sure is. To listen to this show, find us on 4iradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. And as a special note, we mentioned this in our last episode, but if you are listening to this when it comes out in the month of December, right now, you can go over to our Patreon and see all of our Patreon-exclusive commentary episodes, our Walloping Web Sappers After Dark commentaries are unlocked for everyone to enjoy. Um, so that's six commentaries that are out by now. That's uh, Robocop the Animated Series, Spider-Woman, Muppet Babies, Jackie Chan Adventures, Gargoyles, and Beast Machines. All of these are normally for our um, upper-tier patrons, and there are now for free for everyone to listen to so you can go to www.patreon.com slash wildingwebsnappers and check them out until december 31st it's where we get to watch other stuff and it's good yes 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 and they're usually spider-man related ish but tangentially tangentially <laughs> spider-man related we find the threads oh yeah we're we're reasonably good at that i think uh, <laughs> sometimes it's a stretch but yeah. most of the time most of the time it's good but this episode we've got a very moist like sopping <laughs> dripping dripping wet episode uh this time um with actually a lot of good stuff in it all joking yes. aside i'm actually really really um excited maybe isn't the right I'm, i am excited for it but i'm i'm intrigued to see like the kind of stuff that we pull out of it because i actually think that there's a lot of really like important stuff that i was not mm-hmm. not expecting going into this um that did not retain in my memory <laughs> of watching no, it no at not all. at all at i think all. this is one of the best episodes we've watched so far it's i'm hesitant to say it's one of my favorites because saying favorite kind of like you were getting at feels a little weird but it's certainly one of the ones that i appreciated the most watching while I was watching it. And I am very excited to dig into some of the things that they included in here. 
Yeah, yeah. I was very, I was kind of like joking at the end of our last one when writing the show notes because it's mm-hmm. like, of course, it's a story, especially in the '90s, where it's a superhero's girlfriend has a stalker. Like that's, of course, that's going to happen. But right. I think it's really like definitely handled in this one in a way that I was really shocked about, especially going going into it with like the a history of like I don't know. There's so many comics and TV shows, and like mm-hmm. I just remember Lana Lang got had a stalker with superhuman abilities like for there was at least like six or seven episodes where that happened like not even an oh, exaggeration and, and it's always it's such a tired trope and it's always from the perspective of like well you're beautiful so like of course of course a uh, a psycho not even not even like an ex-boyfriend just yeah. like any random person who sees you on the street is going to immediately fall in love with you and um start to stalk you and it's kind of your fault for being so beautiful let's be real you're gonna have to have the superhero rescue you so i'm really glad that this episode really does not go in that direction like at all um yeah. and in fact goes in like the exact opposite direction which i really appreciate yeah does a really really good job in the context of a show that we've sort of already admitted to ourselves doesn't always treat its women super well mm-hmm. i think that's why i was i was so cynical uh going into this honestly and that probably mm-hmm. that probably helped temper my expectations a lot to be kind of a little bit blown away by it yeah yeah but it's really good and i i don't know how much i i, I feel like a portion of that can be attributed to this is a uh, a new writer on this episode mm-hmm. um who ends up uh, writing for i think the rest of the show actually oh wow yeah, so uh, I'll go ahead and kind of dig in. I have a few quotes from some interviews uh, with him. Um, this is uh, Jim Krieg. I think he's credited as James Krieg in the episode. This was really like his first writing gig. And I have a couple of quotes from him about it. Actually, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting uh, that he was brought in to do this. So he and John Semper, and this is a quote with the, an interview with Marvel Animation Age, um, they broke Hydro Man together. And after uh, he says, after wrestling with my muse for a while, I handed in a too long arts school precious and completely unusable script (laughs) it took some begging but john graciously gave me 24 hours to put the script into shape for which i will always be grateful because that was the moment my life as a professional writer started oh wow yeah i think that's really interesting and i to be honest he's he's kind of jokingly like disparaging himself but Mm -hmm. i feel like the art school preciousness that he's like alluding to from his original script, I feel like almost kind of comes through here a little bit because this doesn't feel like a lot of the episodes that we have seen up to this point, like in terms of kind of with the maturity uh, in mm-hmm. which it's treating everything that's happening, you know? Yeah. Like that feels like something that is new to this show. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I You said blown away earlier and I agree with that too. As I was watching it, I think my jaw sort of just dropped not at a lot of the stuff that this episode does well outside of the story, but just like the way they handle a situation they could have so easily botched mm-hmm. and the way that the episode itself communicates how we as an audience are supposed to feel about it. Yeah. It's not just in universe that's handled really well. It's the sort of meta aspect of like, we're telling a story and we want it to be clear as to how you should be viewing these things. Yeah, I didn't get the sense of maturity because it was dealing with mature subjects. Like yeah. it is, but but there's still like subjects that are usually manifested in in tropes that are like not handled maturely. So like that usually doesn't matter. I think the maturity comes from like the perspective that it's giving is is a very like insightful one. Mm-hmm. 
and just the way that I think it really uh, digs itself into characters that are already established and just like really, I think, dives into like darker sides of them Mm -hmm. that we had not seen up to this point that I think just uh, really shades in like a lot of this show that a lot of depth that I think we've been missing for for the first season. For sure. Another quote from Krieg uh, regarding Hydro Man. Um, another. Uh, this is one that I think we've we've sort of brought up a little bit before. But he says it was a long time ago. But I think we weren't allowed to use Sandman because he was going to be the villain in the Jim Cameron Spider-Man movie that never happened. So John just substituted Hydro Man. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of hope that the fact that he went to prom with Mary Jane made him slightly more interesting. <laughs> that's such a funny little sentence at the end there <laughs> i know it's a funny way to put like what this episode is <laughs> yeah i like that <laughs> yeah yeah so that's really it for like production notes i mean for the most part this is uh, a surprisingly dis- in spite of the long recap that we get it's a pretty standalone episode for the most part so i guess if we want we can go ahead and just dive right into the episode if we want yeah, yeah let's do it cool So this is, uh, of course, Spider-Man the Animated Series Season 2, Episode 3, and its title is Neogenic Nightmare Chapter 3, Hydro-Man. And the short synopsis per IMDb is as follows. Mary Jane's high school ex-boyfriend, Maury Bench, comes back into her life with new superpowers to control water. He's hoping to win Mary Jane's heart back. The original air date for this episode was September 23rd, 1995. Um, Like we said, uh, for the writing by credits, the story by is credited to John Semper, but the teleplay is, like we said, uh, James Jim Krieg. And uh, just a little bit of background on Mr. Krieg, because there is some kind of funny uh, funny quotes about where he came from. Um, so Krieg was actually discovered by a Fox Kids exec because of a student film called Viva Spider-Man. <laughs> um, it's, I think it was from like 1980, I want to say. Hmm. He wrote, produced, and starred in it as Peter Parker. You can find it on YouTube, and I, I looked it up just out of, like, curiosity. It's only, like, 13 minutes long. Mm-hmm. It's actually really cool because oh, nice. it is a, a, a very specifically a send-up of the 60s cartoon, like, directly. So mm-hmm. it's, like, very reminiscent of, like, the pacing of it. There are shots that look, like, super similar <laughs> to how it looks. The dialogue is delivered the same way. They're all dressed the same way. So it's just like a really cool like homage um, and like really well done. I can sort of see why it would, it would impress an executive because it's just like a really cool piece of like student filmmaking. Hmm. So that impressed like an exec. So that's how he kind of like got his in into Fox Kids. Sure. Um, he says after he made uh, some of his pitches, he says he remembers that one of Stan Lee's notes was uh, Jim Krieg, like spelled wrong, spelled with a C apparently, <laughs> says Jim Krieg writes well, but he doesn't get Spidey. Hmm. Which is funny that like Krieg is like totally willing to just like share that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's just yeah. like, oh yeah, Stan Lee didn't actually like me, so. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but it didn't really. In spite of that, he was hired anyway. Hmm. And since this episode, like, uh, and since this show, actually, he wrote a number of episodes on this show, but he's gone on to do a bunch of other stuff. Um, he actually wrote the series finale of of the X Men animated series. Oh wow. Uh huh. He wrote for the Clueless TV series. 
Uh, he wrote for Monk, a bunch of Scooby-Doo shows and movies, and the uh, Supernatural Scooby-Doo crossover that was called Scooby-Natural. <laughs> um, he's also written for like a bunch of the DC Comics animated movies, a bunch of DC Comics shows like the uh, Green Lantern animated series, Young Justice, uh, Justice League action. Um, and he created a series I've never heard of, but he was the creator and like I think showrunner of a show called Legend Quest. And fun fact, uh, he does follow and also interacts with us on Twitter. I think that's kind of cool. He seems like a really cool guy. We're not (laughs) just being super nice because he follows us on Twitter. This is actually like a legitimately good episode. And he seems like a really cool guy legitimately, regardless of uh, if he interacts with us or not. But just, you know, full disclosure. (laughs) Did you watch the Clueless TV series by any chance? I did not, actually. Oh, I definitely did. Like way before I even realized it was a movie. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Yeah. Did you hear that they're doing another one? Uh, yeah. Have you like read the um, like description about it? Not much. I, I think a podcast I was listening to mentioned that they were doing it, but I haven't looked into it. It sounds weird because it's focused on I. What's what's her friend's name? What was her friend's name? Oh, um, this is embarrassing considering I just said I watched yeah, the show. Because <laughs> Cher's the main character, and her and her friend. I don't know her 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 main friend. It, it's like about her and then it's like the mystery of Cher's disappearance apparently oh yeah 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 that's right and it's probably is it gonna be on the cw i don't remember <laughs> if it's on the, it might i think it's on, i think it's probably on a streaming service oh, okay real. but it sounds like it's gonna be very like riverdale vibe yep it sounds like a cool premise for a show it just doesn't sound like it's a clueless show so yeah yeah know. Yeah, well, we'll we'll see. Uh, it's definitely not going to be like the one that I watched because that was very much a product of its time. <laughs> but I want to go back now and, and see episodes that um, he wrote on because I'm very curious. Given that this is <laughs> this is this episode. <laughs> yeah, actually, <laughs> hmm. so I'm very very curious. Anyway. <laughs> So this has one major character introduced and spotlighted. There's, I think there's another character we're seeing for the first time, but they talk maybe like once or twice. So um, we'll get to it when we get to that. But the main character here introduced is Maury Bench, uh, a.k.a. Hydro Man. And he's portrayed by Rob Paulson, who is in so many things. But if you're like, I'm not sure who that is, all I really need to tell you is that he's the voice of Yakko Warner from Animaniacs, and I'm sure everybody just went, oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, And you you can tell a little bit at points throughout this episode, because as I was listening, I was like, I know that voice. I know that voice so much. Um, and when I saw it, I was like, of course, how did I not think of it? But he's done a lot of stuff. So he's, he's Yakko Warner. He's, he also is, uh, the voice of Pinky and Dr. Scratch and Sniff from Animaniacs. Um, he's Carl from the Jimmy Neutron franchise, um, which I didn't realize, but I also didn't watch that. So I'm not sure how obvious that is. I didn't really watch it either, but I think, I think you can hear it from my memory. Gotcha. Um, he's voiced both Raphael and Donatello in separate Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series, which I think Weird. is really funny. That's <laughs> really funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was Raph in the 1987 series, and he was Donnie in the 2012 series. Both good series, if I'm remembering the correct ones. Hmm. And uh, he also, as far as like other Spider-Man stuff, he was uh, Batroc the Leaper in the animated Ultimate Spider-Man series, which... I guess is a performance that happens over a number of episodes, which I, I oh. wouldn't have expected. <laughs> Interesting. Um, yeah. I don't know. Well, I guess when we get to that one, we'll see exactly why that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> and then just a couple connections to things we've done recently. He uh, voices a character named Helios in Gargoyles, 
and he provides some voices for the Jackie Chan adventures, which I mentioned because we just did a double feature commentary on those two shows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, hey, patreon.com slash Webstoppers. Weird. Check that out. <laughs> Shameless plug. Yes. <laughs> anyway, I guess we can uh, go ahead and get into the episode itself, because I'm yes. sure there will be a lot to dissect in this one. It is fast-paced, and they get through a lot. Uh, yeah, they really do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, yep. So one thing to mention, mention this a little earlier, but the, there is a very long recap on this that is... Mm-hmm. Um, very heavily focusing on like Spider-Man, it's flickering powers, the consequences of him like missing an entire day by sleeping through it. Um, the news Dr. Connors delivers about Spider-Man's mutagenic factor um, doesn't mention the Insidious Six. And most of those things do not play into this episode at all. Yes, it's funny because it, it feels almost like the recap is there so that like you don't forget like hey 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 this isn't gonna be in this episode but like don't forget this is really important (laughs) yeah i guess it makes sense because this is their first foray into serialization and not a lot of cartoons were doing it so i guess it's a reassurance thing that it's like we're not just dropping those stories Mm -hmm. um and you know the the ongoing plot does play into this a little bit in for peter but it's 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 more or less pretty inconsequential for the most part. Yeah. It's funny because the recaps for shows typically can kind of tell you what to expect in the upcoming story. And this, uh-huh. is, this is like the opposite of that. It's like, it's just like here's forget. everything that's happened up to this point. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, well, the episode proper opens above Coney Island where Spider-Man is reading an issue of the Daily Bugle with the front page headline, Mystery Thief Strikes Eighth Target, Spider-Man Suspected. And the story clarifies that each burglary wouldn't have been possible without superhuman abilities. So that's kind of why everyone's pointing to him. Or J. Jonah Jameson is pointing to him, rather. <laughs> yeah, that's that makes the most sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He stops reading to catch a purse snatcher and then reflects on Dr. Connor's warning. Um, this is all basically just an opportunity for him to sort of reflect on what's happening. He's worried that he's going to turn into a freak. There's a really cool shot of him like looking into a carnival mirror like as he's thinking about that. Oh, yes. <laughs> so that was like yes, kind of a funny good. moment. And then he tells himself that as a result of all this, he really needs to take a break and do something fun. But he's not sure what to do because Mary Jane seems really hesitant to spend like dedicated time with him. Um, He says that uh, she seems to have a difficult time getting close to him or agreeing to a formal date. Yeah. Yeah. I like I like pointing that. I like that he points that out because that kind of sets the stage for what's going to happen Mm -hmm. quite a bit. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the, that's the thing that I do like about this episode is it's a really clear trajectory, like character wise. Like it's not it, there's a character arc for Mary Jane and and even Peter a little bit, but yeah, there's a really clear trajectory from the beginning where it's just sort of like the mystery essentially of like what's up with Mary Jane exactly, and then mm-hmm. we kind of are are pretty steadily kind of doled out the answers to it um, in a way that I think works really well. Mm-hmm. I think the only downside to it is like. Peter's place in it is so centered on himself mm-hmm. the whole time. It's yes. in it's in character for him, but it's not it's still not really a good look. And I don't know if it was that was really in, intentional. I think that's just the way that men were written in 1995. I think uh, <laughs> yeah, well I think yeah, I think the the context is that and then telling this story in the context of the show ends up being a little bit awkward because you have a main character who is typically sort of 
walking around like an entitled guy. And mm-hmm. so how do you write a story that has to involve the main character about this topic of stalking yeah. <laughs> without some of that bleeding in a little bit? I will say that there is a point in this episode, at least one, and I would argue probably more than just one, that that is tackled a little bit. Yeah. It's not explicitly done so, but there are learning moments for Peter. So that is nice to see that they were able to to squeeze some of that in. Oh, yeah. He's not as much of an entitled like dickhead as he has been like throughout the first season or yes. really like with any dealing with Felicia. Right. And, and really, I can see an alternate universe where if they hadn't spent so much time or just just had two episodes right before this where he was like, you know, still kind of uh, pursuing Felicia, where mm-hmm. they weren't doing this back and forth thing, where like, if we had seen Peter very steadily been pursuing Mary Jane, and they still had like a spark, they'd still like, have these little like meetups and like friendly conversations, but like, just never had a real date. And we could have seen like, well, yeah, there's clearly a spark there. It is kind of weird that they aren't just dating already. Yeah. I think that would make a lot of sense. And I almost feel like it's written from that standpoint mm-hmm. because, because Peter is really, he's not framing it as that, that like I deserve a date with Mary Jane. It's more like, I don't understand why I haven't gotten a date with Mary Jane at this point. Yeah. And like you said, like the context for what we've seen up to this point, the only way to read that is like, well, yeah, because you think every girl who's hot should date you, but I can yeah, sort if you of started <laughs> here. That wouldn't bleed in at all. Right. If you started here, you would just assume like, Oh, I guess they have been hanging out for a while and it is kind of and, – and he just doesn't understand, like – he just feels like he's getting mixed signals from her, which is mm-hmm. a relatable, like, understandable thing. Yeah, totally. Well, nearby in an aquarium, which I guess is part of Coney Island. I, I've never been to Coney Island, but it I seems pretty either. cool if it's got all this stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but at a nearby aquarium, we see that there are two guards discussing the recent crimes. This is such a funny interaction to me because basically <laughs> they're like – they're stopping to talk about the crimes. They look into one of the aquariums where there's like – I don't remember what he said. Does he say $2 million? I don't like, remember what, the amount. I don't know what it is, but there's a, a string of pearls – in one of the aquariums, like in a, I guess like a display clam or whatever. Um, and he's like, he, he says how much it's worth, which is a lot. And then he basically admits to another guard. Yeah, I've been really like tempted to steal that because, uh, man, that would really change my life. And there are all these crimes anyway, so no one would think it was me. What? <laughs> I hope you two were friends before this moment. <laughs> I know. Otherwise, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to report you to our boss. <laughs> right. BRB. Right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But the other one does basically say, like, that would be really dumb. Don't do that because that aquarium's actually super dangerous and nobody could actually get to them because it's pressurized and, you know, you'd, you'd basically get crushed and drown. So not really the reason that you should be discouraging him, but luckily there's someone saying, no, don't do that, dude. (laughs) Yeah, I I do appreciate the fact that they spent time explaining a thing that's almost kind of a standard in superhero shows where it's just like super uh, incredibly valuable piece of history or artifact or jewelry is just like on display in a really bizarre place that could be easily stolen. And it's like, no, they actually address it. (laughs) I appreciate that. Yeah, no, you couldn't just jump in there and swim down. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. So, you know, after they discuss that, they are discussing how this, you know, is totally impenetrable. It could not happen at all. Um, It doesn't really matter because a shadowy figure materializes inside (laughs) of the tank and still takes the pearls. So, Mm -hmm. so much for that pressurization. (laughs) 
of course, the guards like pull down the alarm. They activate these like metal safety doors that are on the tanks. But then this shadowy figure still breaks through the metal door with ease. Yes, yes. Which, you know, kind of startling given <laughs> that you've just said no one could do that. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, obviously they 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 respond by setting off the alarm. These are like the guards, so you would hope they would do that. Um, and this alerts Spider-Man to the to the fact that something's going on. So Spider-Man mm-hmm. arrives. He finds the tank that's been broken out of. That would be sort of a weird thing to encounter, right? Because like you'd yeah. think that people would be breaking into the tank, but what he's run into is like outward exploded metal door. <laughs> Yeah. That's weird. I don't know if he even really notes that, but what a weird thing to stumble on. The the way that he responds to it, if I remember correctly, is just like, well, who would do a thing like that? Like, jokingly. <laughs> like, Yeah, because he says it's, like, mean, right? Because there's, like, a bunch of fish on the ground. Yeah. So he, like, puts one fish back in the tank. <laughs> I thought that was cute. <laughs> no, I thought it was cute. cute, but it's so funny. It's like, get yeah. the other ones. Spider-Man, come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, he's just, like, lost cause. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, that's funny though. He just really does not comment on on this weirdness. <laughs> I guess he's seen enough weird stuff by this point. That's true. In the show, this pales so. in comparison. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just like oh, it's Mysterio again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, as he's investigating, he finds the area that's above the tanks. Um, his spider sense, or well, I guess after I didn't mention that he does see the shadowy figure like running away from the scene. So he knows that there is a being to be chased after. So mm-hmm. he investigates the area, finds the area above the tanks. Uh, his spider sense activates, but before he can do anything with it, he is hit from behind by a deluge of water and he is knocked into an eel tank. Yes. I want to stop here briefly just to mention like the animation in this episode <gasps> is so good. And I want to stop to mention it because we've already encountered a bunch of things that we should have mentioned in this context. That's true. But like, my gosh, like from the get go, it was so notable how much better the animation in this one is. I I think it's probably as a result of them using Hydro Man and saying like, we can't have Hydro Man look like trash. You know what I mean? That was my thought because because there's because it it would take so much to animate him in general for anything, anything that he does. I mean, Mm -hmm. If you consider, like, I feel like him and Sandman both have sort of bring out the best in uh, effects people and animators. Yeah, and I think they should because it, yeah. it inspires a lot of inspiration. You can do anything you want with it. And then when you get to that point, like, you want to make sure that it's convincing. It's it's a thing that's that's so sort of fantastical that you have to convince your audience that it's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you're right. I think that brings out the best the best in these creators yeah no this is it's a beautiful episode it is a it is such a hard turn oh my from gosh. the season premiere <laughs> like oof, that was i mean though to be fair if if the reason that those looked so bad was because they were directing like more resources towards mm-hmm. this one i'm not mad about it yeah okay i'm fine with it yeah this is this is this is a work of art so there are a couple things. It, it also it also ends up um, resulting in some moments that are capitalized on that probably wouldn't have been in other episodes. So, like, when Spider-Man first arrives at the aquarium, the floor is covered in water, and he lands and slips on it, which is such a little uh-huh. thing. But because they're already focusing a lot on the animation and the fluidity of the animation, they're able to work in, like, little things like that. There are so many just, little moments like yes, that in this episode. Yes, that just make everything feel more alive. Yeah. The eels are are incredibly animated. <laughs> like, they look so <laughs> this, nice. This is so weird. 
It is very, very weird. Um, but I just, I, you know, as we kept moving through, I kept thinking like, oh, there's so many things we got to mention. Yeah. Just purely from the, the perspective of like the animation is good. But yeah, the eels are very weird. <laughs> yeah. And I think they're eels, right? That's what they're supposed to be. I'm assuming that they're eels. I mean, that's what they look like. Yeah. And I hate, oh God, I hate this because he basically murders all of them. Like there's no uh, way that they survive this. Yeah. There's, no way they survived this. Basically, eels these, are bad, though, Derek. Didn't you know? They have sharp teeth and they look like snakes. And as we all know, all snakes are evil. Hey, the book of Genesis told us that snakes are the worst. Exactly. So, therefore, eels are as well. Oh, uh, poor eels. Know, poor eels. Yeah, so these eels are coming after him. And, and Spidey realizes, you know, he can't use his, uh, his web shooters in the tank because they just kind of foam up, which is animated in a nice way, too. Mm-hmm. He figures out that he can use, like, a spare web cartridge by, like, throwing it in the eel's mouth. And then Ugh. when it bites down, it explodes webbing into all of the eels, like, in their mouths. So, like, aye, they're... Aye, aye definitely dead like he definitely killed all these eels okay Uh, those poor eels (laughs) you know they just you 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 crashed into their homes Mm -hmm. like what it's not their fault (laughs) yeah you're the home intruder here spidey well kind of but yes (laughs) yeah can you imagine if that like foamy web explosion is what happened when the dog ate the web cartridge in amazing friends No. <laughs> <laughs> like if the physics of the web cartridge were the same in that series, oh, just would geez. have been like a, a gross, messy web explosion and fur oh, stuff. Blah, oh, blah. <laughs> Miss Lion would not have survived no. uh, if it was like this. No, that's uh, <laughs> poor Miss Lion. <laughs> or I guess lucky Miss Lion, poor eels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In any case, he does escape from the eels uh, by by murdering them and manages to make his way out of the tank. But the the guards are kind of walking past at that exact moment. So they actually see Spider-Man emerge from the tanks where they have seen a shadowy figure stealing stuff. And of course that means they just sort of buy into the fact that Spider-Man is the one stealing stuff. Mm-hmm. Good old Parker Luck. I'm not really yep. sure if that qualifies, but it's bad luck regardless. <laughs> it's like the, the Spider-Man bad publicity rule, yeah. essentially. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yep. So he's like, well, that sucks, and Heath whips off. Meanwhile, the shadowy figure, we cut to um, the shadowy figure holding up a pearl necklace to like this uh, bus stop ad that actually features Mary Jane from one of her modeling gigs. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says ominously, it's all for you, Mary Jane. Hmm. <laughs> oh. The next morning, Peter and Mary Jane end up meeting up for some meal, I suppose. But uh, they meet up at a diner, and Mary Jane compliments Peter's front page photos of the aquarium story. You know, it's really weird that Peter. I guess this is this is all part of it, but I don't think it's reflected on all that much, at least in the shows we've been watching so far. Spectacular did a little bit, but it's so weird that he has to end up making money off of so much of his own like terrible situations you know what i mean like my my theory is that he's actually not a very good photographer so like (laughs) really the the best shots that he does really are spider-man shots like i feel like he's just like an average photographer when it comes to like yeah events or anything but he's like if they ever like shipped him off to like cover a war or something like wouldn't happen that would actually be a fascinating <laughs> thing to explore it's probably something that like the comics could do but a show would never spend a whole lot of time on but that would be mm-hmm. interesting to just directly acknowledge that 
yeah yeah because if you think i mean it was just his hobby like there's people mm-hmm. who you know do photography as like their main thing or go to school for it and yeah. he was just like he loved science and was always gonna be a scientist and just like like taking photos on the side like that's cool and he's working for like one of the biggest like major metropolitan newspapers like mm-hmm. it doesn't really make sense unless True. he's just giving them something that literally nobody else can yeah no that makes that makes tons of sense i buy that for sure in any case mary jane is complimenting him on yet another front page photo job which is nice um and then peter sort of exchanges that uh with some photos of mary jane that i guess he took because he says, I don't here's it, a yeah. set of photos from your first professional gig. So when he first says that, I was like, oh, he took pictures of her at some sort of event or something. But they're the pictures of her that were on the bus stop station. So it kind of seems like he must have either. It's one of two things. Either he's the one who took the photos of her that were then sold to whatever the agency is. Mm-hmm. Or he just, because he's a photographer, knows where to get them or picked them up or developed raw Phil I don't I don't know I'm not really sure the latter makes more sense like in the context of who Peter is but I'm pretty sure they were just thinking like well he's a photographer so we can just photograph anything right like not thinking (laughs) that a modeling shoot is a little bit different from like a journalist photographer but uh you know (laughs) what is she advertising on that is it a perfume I I thought I literally thought she was just holding like a bottle of water oh that's right it is a bottled water ad yeah I think you're right yeah, which, you know, fits in. Yeah. Okay. I mean, well, yeah, that's true. I, how did I forget? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe that's what it is because it's not like a fashion fashion shoot or a, you know, jewelry or perfume shoot. So maybe he managed to score a gig. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Maybe Mary Jane's just a really good friend and said like, yeah, I'll sign on for this, but uh, you got to give my friend Peter a job here. Oh, that would be nice. That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like that. That's neat. Yeah. Yeah. So Mary Jane asked Peter how much money she owes him for the photos, but um, instead he tries to barter barter it for a date instead. Specifically, he's like, well, how about you pay for us to go to Coney Island instead? So he's not like, he's not asking her to pay by going on a date with him explicitly. He's asking for her yeah. to pay for their date, essentially. So kind of like a roundabout way to do it. It's less coercive than he's been in the past. This is like yeah. the type of thing that I think even friends do where it's like, oh, how much do I owe you for the coffee? And they're like, hey, just don't worry about it. Like, get me next time. Yeah. Kind of like yeah. that. If you're going to hang out anyway, yeah. just you get Coney Island. Don't worry about the pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you so know. It's better. It's, it's better. <laughs> it's still Peter, Peter being Peter, but it's it's better. Yeah. And it doesn't matter anyway. Mary Jane rejects like right off the bat. Yeah. And Peter is just like, well, you've been turning me down left and right lately. So what's like, what's wrong? What's going on? <laughs> That's where, like, with all the context of the the previous episodes, you want to be like, she's just not that into you, Peter. That's what yeah. you're supposed to take away from that. But yeah, you're right. Like this, Peter is written at least a little bit differently. Um, and if you like, with it's it's more subtle. It's not as uh, entitled. So <laughs> if you, yeah, if it's you like, ignore all that, this is not that bad. <laughs> right. Like the direction I think they're trying to take it in is more that. They've been hang they they will do like these favors for each other and leave and like meet up for coffee and hang out. But as soon as there's like a signal that like their hangout might be a date, that's when she turns him down. So like you could yeah. assume that he's also just been like, hey, do you want to go see a movie? Like not even thinking of it as a date, she turns him down. Yeah. 
But yeah, the context is weird, but trying to take this episode as it is, especially knowing that, like we said, this mm-hmm. was like a new writer coming on and this was like, kind of, and it's kind of a standalone. So any, anything that gives us a better Peter, I will reach same. for desperately. <laughs> big, big same. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's all just the context of the previous episodes. Uh, mm-hmm. Like we said, if this were the first episode you watched, I don't think any of this stuff would set off red flags. Definitely. Not, definitely. not big ones, at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, while they're talking at the diner, that shadowy figure appears uh, outside. And just as we see that the figure's outside, Mary Jane receives a phone call, but at the restaurant, because it's not like they're carrying cell phones around. Yeah. So she... Right. So she it is kind of weird, but she does accept the call and sort of immediately becomes afraid when she recognizes the voice and ends up identifying the voice as someone named Maury. Maury instructs MJ to meet him at a hotel lobby in 20 minutes and she refuses, but he insists that she will and threatens that their rendezvous is as inevitable as the tides. Hmm. So right off the bat, like we're starting to see this is now that they're interacting. This is where it'll be important to like point out the types of like stalking behaviors that they get really, really correct in this episode. Like I'm so impressed with whoever it was that said like, these are the stalking behaviors that are really, really important to nail. And, uh, and they, they portray them really, really well. A lot of it's subtle too, like this interaction here where, you know, it's, it's so easy to say like, well, she said, no, she's not going to go meet with, with this random guy we don't know but it is you know it is a threat when he says you meeting me is inevitable and uh it it escalates from there uh pretty Mm -hmm. pretty quickly yeah because he's very clearly making it very clear that like i'm not giving you a choice in this and Mm -hmm. i and even though he's not saying anything specific about it he's pretty much insinuating that like i have all the power here yeah. One way or another. Yeah. Um, I mean, the simple fact that he knew where to call her. Yes. Is creepy AF. Yes. I mean, this whole this whole little sequence is portrayed very, uh, very creepily. Like it's mm-hmm. it's really well done. Uh, they even like like they shoot him in like that uh, in the way that they shoot like creepy villains essentially, where like <laughs> you're only you're getting like a close up of his mouth and it's almost almost oh. like a vignette around it the Yo. whole time like you never even like at this point we haven't even seen his face he's been nope. a ca- creepy shadowy figure in voice the whole time that's just kind of looming and that's another thing this plays into more a little bit later but i think it's like useful here because the way that he's presented as a villain like his characterization is really similar to like where i've seen other other places other like media and movies and comics and tv shows go wrong with it when they tell the story is because like he is kind of a sad sack in a way like he's just like oh i had no car no money i was a loser and a lot of other stories will play that very sympathetically just to be like well you know we want to be fair he's a nuanced character and like that's fair in some cases but like when you're trying to tell this particular kind of story where it's sort of like from the perspective of like the woman in the situation or Mm. The stocky, it doesn't really like matter. Like, in fact, that's sort of a thing that they'll weaponize is sort of like, well, look how much of a loser I am. Like, I'm the weakling here. Like, you're the person who's who's not, you know, being strong for me. And they mm-hmm. never, like, they never give him an inch of leeway. Like, he says that stuff and is shot down immediately. He has yep. always portrayed like a big creepazoid, like he is in the scene. Before yes. we even meet him. Yes. He uses those tactics, which are common tactics in like an emotionally abusive relationship. But we as an audience are never, ever, ever meant to believe those things about him. Right. And I think that's so important for them to do. 
Yeah, it's really, it's really well done. Yeah, and I definitely, I don't know how much of this was like doing research or if like someone had this experience at Urbring in or if they just like are just that good of writers, but it's, it, yeah, it feels very authentic. Yes, yes, very, very much so. So this obviously upsets Mary Jane and she leaves the restaurant right away, like immediately hangs up the phone and just gets out of there. And Peter follows her out. She doesn't like this and insists that she she says specifically, I'm a big girl now (laughs) and tells Peter explicitly to stop following her. Peter concludes that whatever is bothering MJ isn't, quote, about him. So he decides to suit up and follow her concluding that something else bothered her and that even though he can't follow her because she said not to, Spider-Man can follow her, (laughs) which... Eh. Eh. It's like, like, it's tough because he's a superhero in the city, right? So like he would do this for anybody. It's, It's a lot of the things that are a little bit weird as far as like the how do you handle the alter ego aspect are weird because he knows the the victim of the stalking, right? Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be like a weird question if this were just somebody else that he witnessed having that phone conversation outside. Mm-hmm. And so it's like hard. I'm not really sure like what, where to land on that. It's not like he's part of a superhero team. She doesn't know yeah. who he is. And so even though Peter Parker has been told to butt out of it, Peter Parker has been told to butt out of it with only the knowledge that he can't do anything about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's a little well, weird. It's and it's double weird because he doesn't know that there's a, a superhuman aspect to any of this. So it's oh, a thing true. that like a superhero being involved, like might just be completely like completely unnecessary and escalating for no reason, which makes, you know, she could just be upset. Like, cause her mom's sick or something like a thing yeah. that does not involve Spider-Man. And then it's literally just an invasion of her privacy at that mm, point. That's such a good point. Cause I was sitting there thinking like, okay, there's leeway because he's choosing to superhero in the moment, but choosing to superhero is like kind of an overreaction given the information he has, which isn't a lot. Yeah, he's he's really using it just as an excuse to follow her, which, yeah. you know, again, it is in line with Peter Parker's characterization <laughs> up to this point. Yeah, yeah. And, it you definitely know, he, is. It's not like he's doing it with, like, no semblance of, like, legitimate care. Like, he obviously cares about her. It's just mm-hmm. that he doesn't really care about her enough to, like, respect her privacy. It's, it's, it is weird. It's very weird. And that's a gray area that I think is useful to point out, but that I don't know if there's, like, a solid answer to. Because it's sort of like if you know that someone that someone has a has a problem and that you think that they could use someone on their side, but they're not like letting you in. Uh, I don't really know the best answer in that situation. It really well, always depends on the circumstances. Yeah, I think so, and I think it's made harder because this isn't a. Good, it's not like a perfect analogy, right? Like we don't True. we don't have superhuman people, like mm. so we can't we can't totally make the a perfect parallel to it. Yeah. So that's I think that's why it exists in like a weird gray area because you're like, like the ability to help somebody in the real world is not analogous to having spider powers. You know? Yeah. And it's and it's and it's highlighted more here because we're dealing with an episode that's all about someone trying to exert their power over someone essentially like in the name of like love and and care (laughs) you know so it's like it's weird when spider-man is doing it for the right reasons technically but like are they the right reasons well i do (laughs) think like i got very worried when i saw that he was doing this but i think later in the episode it's addressed in at least a clear enough way to me yeah that i'm retroactively like appreciative for the story that they're telling at least 
for Peter here. I don't True. know how much impact it has later on because, again, this is like sort of the the proto serialized superhero story. Mm-hmm. But at least in this this contained episode, like there's some growth that that happens after this decision he makes that's very true and i have i have to give him points for explicitly like considering that like this isn't about me this is about her it's not all about me because previously (laughs) every every time he was turned down it's always just like well but i'm great why do you hate me (laughs) you know so i really that's that's growth for him just recognizing it's not all about me when it comes to girls oh good job peter yes So, um, Mary Jane does ultimately decide to meet with Maury um, at this hotel that uh, that he wanted her to meet at. So, she shows up and – it's so creepy, dude. It's so creepy. So, like, she's just standing there. She doesn't know he's there. And he comes up from behind her mm-hmm. trying to put the pearl necklace he stole on her. Like, mm-hmm. before they even have, like, introduced – like, immediately just invading her, sp- her personal space. Uh, like, yeah, yeah. right off the bat. So, again, that's – and that's – that's 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 a pretty clear tactic where it's just sort of like you never you can never like feel comfortable in your own yeah. skin wherever you are because it's sort of like wherever you are there they are always exerting that they're there like in your space and they have the power over you to put a stolen pearl necklace on you yeah. whatever they want you know yeah well we're getting so many things right like we're getting we're getting showing up when you're not wanted we're getting like an exhibition of controlling the space which is what you're describing where he's like making sure that she can't anticipate where he is and he's giving her unwanted gifts. Like these are all telltale signs and they're all real signs. This is what makes it realistic. Yes. Yes. And it's all in the name of like, of like, well, I missed you so much. And I, I just, uh, I love how Mary Jane is written in this because she has none of this shit at any point. She never wavers at all. And I love that. Like she never like, has like she never second guesses herself she Mm -hmm. never is like trying she she never reconsiders anything she very much feels like authentically like someone who was in a bad abusive relationship for too long Mm -hmm. was able to get out of it and has processed and healed it so she like she's she definitely still has like some trauma that she's probably processing just based on her reaction to maury the first time like that was like a PTSD type of mm-hmm. reaction that she had. But for the most part, like she's pretty much gone through the entire process of healing at this point and like knows very firmly, like, no, this is yeah. not what I want. <laughs> like, so, yeah. and I, I really appreciate that. Like she's so strong in this and not in just like strong, independent woman, female character version. She's yes. just like legitimately like capital S strong the whole time. Well, I think one of the reasons it works is because they they allow her to be both strong and assertive and scared of something that is a legitimate threat because that's yeah. realistic. Yeah. You know, if you were going to only show her as scared and damselly, that would suck. If you were to show her only as being stubborn and assertive about the situation, that's hard to identify with. Yeah. Because if you've gone through something like that, it's not something that just leaves you. So I think it's very, very cool that they allowed her to both be scared throughout because he's a legitimate threat and stalking is serious, but also have a voice that she has clearly worked to find. It's just such a good balance that makes it empowering in a more multidimensional way. Yeah. 
it's it's really empowering and she lays it out to him you know for she, like she's fully aware and recognizes everything that was wrong with him she says he was jealous he was overbearing that he made her life miserable and explicitly states that their relationship was from like two years ago mm-hmm. I think she even says like we were wrong for each other two years ago yep. and we're wrong for each other now I love that I it's love such a that good line it's so good because yeah. that's that's like that's the truth in this type of situation. It's sort of like it's not it's not a case where it's just like well we fell out, we fell out of love and we could maybe fall in love again. Like mm-hmm. no, you this it was a bad relationship because you were not meant to be together. You did not work well together. It, yeah. And in this case, it seems like that was primarily his fault. But she doesn't even she doesn't even really lay the blame on him in that sense. She's she's explicitly she doesn't say you were wrong for me. She says we were wrong for each other, mm-hmm. which I think is a more powerful statement than yeah. just trying to like be, be accusatory to him, you know? Yeah, no, I, I agree. She's, she's really, really great in this, uh, in this moment and throughout the episode for sure. Yeah. So Spider-Man's watching all this through a lobby window, which is just important to note because it, it means he's a little bit more filled in on the situation. Um, but the interaction in the hotel doesn't, doesn't end quite yet. Um, Maury attempts to coerce Mary Jane emotionally by bringing up her father, which again, another telltale sign. It's unrelated <sighs> and he's trying to manipulate her using something that's obviously uh, upsetting to her. Mm-hmm. She though tells him immediately to shut up. Like you don't basically you don't get to talk about him, which I love. <laughs> like, yeah. Just shuts it down right away. I know what you're doing. Don't go there. Mm-hmm. Which is really, really great. Um and she walks out of the hotel. She leaves she leaves the hotel. Spider-Man watches that she has left and then checks back into the lobby to see what Maury has done, but he's gone. So Spider-Man's like, where did that guy go like he was just there that's very strange yep yep so shortly after we see mary jane walking through a park and of course maury appears uh this time through the fountain spider-man shows up and is just like how how the heck did he beat me there Mm -hmm. good question maury of course is putting on his like whole nice act and he's just like well i know i was a loser before and i know i know why you hated me then but i'm different now i've changed Mm -hmm. which again (laughs) like very it's like it's it's that 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 weird mixture that that a lot of like really emotionally abusive people will do where it's just sort of like giving you like just a little little inch of leeway where she's like, no, I recognize my flaws. I know I'm, yeah. I'm a bad person. And because I recognize that I'm a bad person, that makes me good, right? Right. I'm validating your feelings. I listen sometimes. Like, uh-huh. No, 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 no. That's a tool you're using. <laughs> uh-huh. And the fact that he's just like, well, I've changed, you know, by using the exact same behavior that he used before. Mm-hmm. Like, cool. Good job, dude. <laughs> right. Yuck. <laughs> <sighs> man yeah but but mary jane is still steadfast like like she is the entire time i love her in this like we said um she's just like dude leave me alone i don't care you haven't changed it doesn't matter because nothing's gonna happen and of course this uh he's on hair trigger so this angers him and this is when he shows that he can control water now mm-hmm. in a very again cool well animated scene <laughs> yes it's i mean Cool enough that it's in the opening sequence. In I was just going to say, there, there's a reason that two scenes from this episode end up being like some of my favorite in the opening. So good. This is one of them mm-hmm. where he make he makes like a, a huge like geyser basically um, with the fountain. Just like is like, look what I could do. Huge geyser. And that's like his way of showing that he can control water. And he explains like, if I'm close to it, I can control the water around me. 
seems like a pretty extra way to demonstrate this uh, when you're supposed to not be scary, I guess. I don't know. Like, uh, it, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it suits his type, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that's the thing. Is like that's how they prove to us that none of the things he's saying are genuine because mm-hmm. he tries to be a nice guy. And he, in those exact moments, is sort of this like meek, meager sort of sad sack loser but they don't allow it to last long enough before he flips his switch again mm-hmm. for us to feel any sort of sympathy towards him yeah it's it's brilliantly done i think it's mm-hmm. done exactly how it should be done yep another thing i really like about this episode they're really pulling out all the stops this whole time but the music in this is really good too in this show it's hard to kind of parse that out because they use a lot of i know that they have just kind of like their library of stuff that like shucky levy made Mm-hmm. that they're pulling from then they reuse a lot but so this one i don't know if this was like particularly recorded for this episode i don't hmm. recognize it from any other episode but if it wasn't it was a great choice because it's sort of like this really sweeping orchestral almost like in an inverted romance song like the oh. way that it is like if you listen to it like it sounds really similar to like the music that they'll play when 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 spider-man's like trying to like flirt with one of the many hmm. girls that he flirts with. But like, it's, it's like a creepier version of that. Oh, wow. That, and also kind of like evokes the sense of like, it's like, a, it's like really up and down in the same way that like waves in the sea are like, yeah. it's just a really beautiful piece of music that they, that they bring up like repeatedly with in Hydra man scenes. And during like the action scenes, a lot of the times don't have the usual just like actiony music. It's just like the sweeping like orchestral tune that they're playing in the background. Mm-hmm. And I think that really yields to like a, the creepiness factor of a lot of this and B like the idea that this isn't just like Spider-Man fighting a supervillain. It's actually like a more like emotional story that they're telling here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm realizing that I need to dedicate like one viewing of these episodes just without actually viewing them and just listening to them because I'm so bad at like uh, like ambient music isn't even the right way to put it and background music sounds diminutive but like but that's exactly what it is like the stuff that that is enhancing the story that's like in the foreground mm-hmm. i'm so bad at recognizing it um in video games and tv shows and all that sort of stuff sure. so i need to i need to train that muscle i guess and, and <laughs> close my eyes <laughs> well, it, it's hard in a lot of the shows because like this one since they do use a lot of library music and they're playing yeah. it like constantly like yeah. <laughs> it's not always good um <laughs> But you can really tell when they're consciously trying to do something. Sure. Um, and when they do, it usually really works. Because the music itself is usually really beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, reused a lot. Like, sure, so sure. it doesn't really work most it of the time. It doesn't really have the opportunity to stand out when it's just constantly there. <laughs> uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. And that's so typical of, like, so many Saban productions, too. So. Sure. <laughs> Well, in this case, now that there's like a huge geyser in the middle of the park, Spider-Man's like, all right, this is, I can I can step in here. This is getting dangerous, and uh, and it's obvious that I should do something. Um, so he does step in. Mary Jane even says, like, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, there's a 500-foot geyser in the middle of the park. Like, what do you think I'm doing here? Which is a little <laughs> dishonest, but, you know, okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it at least uh, it at least in that moment makes her not feel like she's being <laughs> followed by two two creepy dudes um mm-hmm. but uh but yeah so he steps in and he he tries to shove maury away from mary jane but kind of as we now expect his hands go right through maury's body and then maury uses this opportunity to turn his own arms into water and shove spider-man away uh when mary jane tries to run from the situation maury stops her with a huge wave of water 
pretty much nearly drowning her. And this is the sequence where we end up getting the really cool, super well animated moment of him pulling water through the sewer grates. Mm -hmm. And he basically like his body turns to water. His arms are sort of outstretched and you see one by one, each one of the like water pillars popping out of the ground. It's so cool. Oh, it's so so well done. Cool. (laughs) It's so well done. I hate that he sucks so much because all of his animation is so good. Oh, it's so beautifully done. You know, yeah. And, you know, and, and I realized this when we start seeing him in his water form a lot. I want to say, like, that I feel like they took a lot of inspiration from Terminator 2 in this because it, yeah. it follows a lot of – because, for one, I mean, I know in the comics a lot of times he's presented, like, with that silver color. Mm-hmm. But, like, the way that – him in his in his liquid form, it's not animated like just straight up water. Like it's animated like almost like a goopy, like more like the liquid metal terminator. It's like a little bit more way. viscous. Yes, that's exactly what it is. And that and that plus him being silver, plus a lot of the stuff they do with, you know, trying to punch through him and stuff like that, like really yeah. feels like terminate like the T one thousand to me. Mm-hmm. But then that plus the fact we're like an unstoppable force, like pursuing and chasing after a woman who ends up having to like come into her own and like defeat it herself mm-hmm. is like typical Terminator storytelling. <laughs> so like, I want to feel like they drew some inspiration from that when they were crafting this, it could also just be like the way that the story was going to organically like come is going to parallel it. But the fact that he is like so close to the T-1000 sure. and this is only like four years removed from when that movie came out. Like, yeah, I feel like that had to be some inspiration, which is probably well, another reason why I like it so much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I could see it being a point of inspiration simply because if you wanted to tell a story like this, it's a good thing to look to, right. To say like, what did they do? Right and how do we emulate those things yeah but it could also be a naturally occurring thing like just in wanting to tell that story so hopefully hopefully we can find something that clarifies that or, or yeah. maybe get an answer because i think that would be a really fascinating thing to learn the process of i'd love yeah i'd love to know that yeah especially just in general just the rendering of hydra man in this because oh, it's just yes. so uh, it's so it's so everything about it it's so well so done. so good yeah mm-hmm. for sure gosh uh Uh, well in any case uh you know spider-man does save her from drowning obviously but maury tells him to butt out Mm. this is where we get the first instance of spider-man attempting to use his webs on maury they don't work obviously he's just water so he can sort of like melt out of them or they go through him depending on sort of what state he's in and Mori officially introduces himself as Hydro Man and attempts to drown Spider-Man in a nearby rooftop water tower. Spider-Man's response to Hydro Man naming himself Hydro Man, which like, dude, oh my God, you're so extra. Um, <laughs> but Sp- <laughs> Spidey's like response is like Hydrant Man. The yeah, dogs the dogs must, must love you. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> Yeah, that's it's such a good it's such a good good quip in a, in an episode where he's not super duper quippy. So it's it's yeah. a good good well well timed one there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So while this attempted drowning is happening, uh, in spite of Spider Man's quips, um, Spider Man does <laughs> <laughs> manage to uh, break out of this tank and he web swings away. He sees Mary Jane like running down the street, so he's just like, "Well, I'm Spider Man. Spider Man's gonna Spider Man. I'm gonna just." pick her up while she's running terrified and just assume mm-hmm. that's going to be fine. <laughs> Learning moment. He just, he swoops down, picks her up. She just screams and he's like, relax, it's me. And she's just like, dude, I, I that, that you being you isn't the problem here. <laughs> like, yeah, that does not make it better. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> 
Um, so, you know, so he puts her down and she's completely like understandably like off put by him because Mm -hmm. of this. Um, he's just like, well, I'm Spider-Man. And he's like, she's like, I know who you are. I have a TV. Right. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Like doesn't even let him introduce himself. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's just like, God, she's just like so done. Like again, understandably, he's not really helping. (laughs) Nope. I love what she says too. Like, cause she says like, listen, I appreciate the rescue and all, but then here's the actual quote. I'm just a little tired of weird men making unscheduled appearances in my life. Uh Yep. And I feel like that's the thing that actually gets through to him because very shortly after this is when he starts asking her if it's okay to help her, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) which is such a significant change. And I appreciate that they, they did that. I do too. And if, I guess thinking like continuity wise, this is really the first time that, Mary Jane has interacted with Spider-Man, I think, mm-hmm. like in general, you know, which I think is kind of a fun dichotomy because like for Peter, Peter, it's not a big deal because they they technically know each other. But for Mary Jane, this is her first time interacting with this like mythic weirdo in, huh. New, York, in New York. And he's just like, oh, hey, it's cool. And it's just like, dude, go away. <laughs> like, I'm done. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. That's um, and and specifically how this show handles that. Because I feel like so many times when one of Peter's inner circle in his real life ends up meeting Spider-Man for the first time and there's any sort of like familiar behavior towards them on Spider-Man's part, it's typically treated as like a good moment, right? Like just just picture like, um, you know the the moment where Spider-Man, you know, uses somebody's name and they're like, huh? And it's like, great. But it's actually kind of creepy when you think about it mm-hmm. because he's not considering the fact that he knows more information, which puts him in a position of power. And so she's standing up to that in a way that we don't typically get to see people stand up um, against Spider-Man uh, as a result of. Like, I've never given that much thought that it's actually kind of weird that those types of things happen. I guess Into the Spider-Verse acknowledged it a little bit when Miles hugs his dad in Spider-Man costume. Mm-hmm. But most of the time it doesn't really get acknowledged as weird. It just gets acknowledged as like, huh, yeah. I'm special. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, and and a lot of times, especially with Mary Jane, yeah. they usually have like a crush on Spider-Man anyway, or it's just like, yeah. oh, you saved me. And in this case, it's just like, I don't care about that. You're a weird guy right. in a, a costume that probably <laughs> smells really bad. Like you're, you're like, right. it's, it's all weird. Like I'm dude, being stalked by a super person and you are also a super person just showing up. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It's a really, I, I like it's subtle, but I love that, that kind of spin on yeah. it. Their, their first meeting is not a meet cute. <laughs> at nope. All. Nope. Very opposite. Yeah. <laughs> so Mary Jane does soften up to Spider-Man a little bit after recognizing that he's not being a total creepazoid. Mm-hmm. And she, she actually kind of explains her history with Maury that they dated in high school. He was a total creep and that they, they broke up. But the uh, water powers she suggests are new. <laughs> yeah. Never <laughs> did that like, before. Almost nonchalant about it. He's just mm-hmm. like, uh, what about the, she's like, the water powers? That's new. Like, it's just <laughs> another thing. Like, it's it's almost like that's not really the problem here. The problem is that he himself is just a oh, yeah. creepy, intimidating, like emotionally abusive stalker. The water stuff is just an added added wrench thrown into it. Oh, man, that's such a good point. Because it, it, it doesn't allow the situation to become 
threatening only as a result of the powers you know mm-hmm. like they're not putting too much emphasis on the powers it's how he does the things he does now but he's still doing the same things he was doing before right it's just like all it's done is just kind of amplify it to make it mm. even worse but like it was already a terrifying situation to begin with gosh i know i love that it never like undercuts what the real threat of this actually is oh this episode that's it's so good i already felt like it was so good but like the more we dig into it like the more detail we find that just impresses me so much <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just it's so good mm-hmm. <sighs> okay yeah yeah so after hearing all this, Spider-Man gives Mary Jane a uh, a piece of tech that's like his um, what are they called? Spider- I don't know. I I actually looked it spider, up. And spider I, tracer, spider tracer. That's what it is. Well, so okay, but that's this is what's strange, right? Because that's what I thought it was, and then he ends up calling it, I think specifically a spider tracer later. But doesn't he say that it's like meant for her to not specifically call him, but like let him know that she needs help? Like I it, think... it almost feels like Jimmy. What is that guy's name in Superman? Oh, Jimmy uh, with Olsen. The watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jimmy Olsen has like the little watch thing, yeah. right? It felt like that when I was first watching it, but then it got sort of confused later when he called it a tracer. I'm. I might be remember. I think I'm remembering later episodes, but I think later on they established that you can like if you have the spider tracer, you can press it. Oh. And that's going to send a, like an alert to him, so gotcha. it's not just tracking. So. He doesn't okay. explain that he- here, so it doesn't seem like it'll be very helpful for her, but I guess we assume that she can figure out that you press the button when you're in trouble, <laughs> and it doesn't come into play anyway, so. True, true. But yeah, so he he does give her a spider tracer um, to to call him for help if, if Maury shows up again, and you know, he, he does ask her this time uh, if she'd like him to take her home instead of just picking her up and swinging away, mm-hmm. so he's learning, like we said, but... Uh, she still declines anyway because she wants to uh, take a taxi instead. Yes. So, yeah. yeah, she's tired but, of the weird men. Uh huh. And I think he and, and that's the point. The point when he even like kind of comments on the situation where he's starting to really understand. Like, oh, okay, so that's a major reason why she doesn't want to like actually commit to a relationship with me or even go on a date with me because she has had bad experiences previously, yes. very bad ones, which is something that I think a lot of people can relate to yeah yeah for sure you don't exit a bad relationship immediately wanting to dive into any semblance of one with people most of the time so i i appreciate that they handle it that way and he's like understanding with it too so yeah yeah it's good it's good that they show him reflecting on it i think that's that's good yeah so we get a very 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 short scene of peter at empire state university in one of the science labs and he, they don't even really explain it. He just basically says, as he's like pouring chemicals into other chemicals, oh, this should work. Hopefully his body works the same way that regular water does. <laughs> and then like puts whatever he's working on into some spare web cartridges. So we know that he's doing like Spider-Man science and that we're yeah. going to end up seeing some sort of new gadgety thing later in the episode. Yeah, I don't mind that they don't really focus on that because it's not yeah, I don't, important. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's just like anything can harden a liquid. Like there's yeah. plenty of ways to do that. So it does its job without weighing anything down. Like we're it, it does exactly what we talk about so much as far as like one extra line, one extra scene, like just enough to connect point A and point B um, yeah. without without dwelling too much. Well, and here's the thing. 
it's it, that's not what solves the problem ultimately anyway. Like, oh, so yeah, I know, right? It would have been pointless to spend that much time on it. It gives it gives Spider Man a little something to do, like in the last act. Yeah. But other than that, that's not what saves the day. So it, it would be it would be a waste of time to spend yeah. too much time on it. Really, it's more yeah. of a red herring than anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. It's it's. Uh, oh, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Uh, okay, so uh, he's done that. And then we go to, or back to, I should say, the diner. And Peter asks a worker named Liz, who is Liz Allen, which wasn't mm-hmm. made clear in the episode, but that is that is who that character is credited as. Yep. And he asks her where he can find Mary Jane. She says that Mary Jane is spending time at her apartment, like Liz's apartment, to stay away from Maury, and decides, like, I'll give you the address, Peter, so you can check in on her. I think he, I think she even says like you should check in on her. Yeah, she does. Which, which I'm, is good. I'm glad that they yeah I'm glad that they specify that. I think she says like she could use a friend now or something like that. Yeah. So he, yeah. Peter is not doing his butting in thing. Like Liz is yes. giving the permission, which I think is is a solid piece of writing here. <laughs> it's a very important detail, and yeah, it's it's good writing because it establishes that in that moment, like he is a friend and a friend that is welcome in Mary Jane's life as a support person. It's 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 good. It's good. Yeah. Unfortunately, while Liz is writing down her address for Peter, we see Maury sneak in through. A, is it a coffee? Correct. It looks like he's coming out of a coffee, like a hot water thing. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Which is uh. Brings up a lot of questions, like, uh, uh, is there a temperature at which he can't... Well, I guess evaporating. Yeah. Or so freezing. Guess... Whatever the range is between those two things, he's good with. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Anyway, he uh, he comes in through some sort of device with a faucet, and he gets the address for Liz's apartment from her ID in her purse. So, unfortunately, while Peter's getting the address, so is Maury, which is a bummer. Mm-hmm. Back at Liz's apartment, where Mary Jane is hiding... She's like reflecting on her dad, which is oh god, this is so this is so sad, but like again, really good, like more more uh more character like development and like mm-hmm. insight than we've gotten on Mary Jane in like the whole first season. Yep. And it's all it's all really strong. Like she's essentially reflecting on like how her dad uh her dad left uh and ran like she's like I'm just like you dad, like we both run away from our problems when things get hard. Um, which a, I appreciate that. Like they brought it up. Maury brought it up at the beginning of the episode. So like he basically incepted this into her head. Um, so it makes sense that this is a thing that she's going to be reflecting on, but they turn it into a really nice moment of empowerment because it's sort of like he brought up a weakness that she has that like her, a pain point for her that her dad ran out on her, Mm -hmm. but it's sort of like, and she, at first it seems like she's going to, that's like kind of driving her into like darker depths because she's comparing herself to him. But then it's sort of like, but we're actually different because I'm not going to run anymore. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But uh, this moment of reflection is interrupted because through a faucet, Maury appears, of course. So uh, Peter does like arrive like right at the door, but literally as soon as he gets there, uh, Mary Jane is uh, screaming as she is being like thrown out of the window in Maury liquid, basically. Oh God, that's what a gross way to say that. Oh, I did not. Oh, that was an accident. (laughs) Well, it's bad. Um, So he, he suits up and uh, is like kind of chasing them through the streets as like this wave, this like wave of Hydra man is like going through with Mary Jane, like just swept up in it. Mm -hmm. 
he follows the water to the bay and like it looks like he's just kind of dumped mary jane into the bay and she disappears the spider tracer is still there floating all the onlookers think that she is drowned of course but uh but spider-man is is sure that it is all a ruse yes yes well wherever it is that maury takes her they end up it's i i I'm guessing it's like a water treatment plant, it seems like. That was my guess, too. Yeah, because it ends up being nearby to other things that make make sense for it to be a water treatment plant. But elsewhere, Maury delivers Mary Jane through the water and kind of up through like a tank. He's got her in like a bubble, it seems like. It's weird. <laughs> very, very strange. Is his he, he clearly has powers that we don't explore too much. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But yeah, in any case, he like delivers her through a bubble. Uh, into this place that he's been using as his hideout. And he shows her that he has this enormous pile of like stolen treasure. It's funny too, because it like literally just looks like treasure. It's not like he's going around stealing like bills and stuff. He's stealing like chests of gold and like like, like, jewels and stuff. (laughs) The most suspicious thing you could steal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like, dang, you really went like hard in this old school villain Uh thing, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, he he does at points seem very stunted. So, like, I wouldn't be surprised if his idea of, like, getting rich is, like, I have a mound of treasure. (laughs) That's actually a really good point. (laughs) uh, But, yeah, so he shows off his his pile of stolen treasure. And Mary Jane, exasperated, of course, is like, how did you even get this way? (laughs) So Maury does kind of explain a little bit of how how he became Hydro Man. So he says after he was expelled from school... He was enlisted by his parents in the Navy, and he was assigned to a special research team. And one of the assignments that he was on had something to do with, uh, you know, like a deep-sea submarine. And when they were lowering the submarine into the water, like, the cables holding it up snapped and grabbed him and pulled him down under with the submarine. Somehow, I guess the submarine must have done this, but, like, some sort of substance that's never really explained or explored and doesn't need to because superhero stuff. Mm-hmm. Some sort of substance comes out through the the sea floor and Maury's exposed to it. And this sort of, like, weird exposure to weird substances while being submerged in water is what turns him into Hydro Man. Brief, simple explanation that we don't need to, to dig into because we, at this point, already understand everything he can do. Yeah. It just, like, eliminates any lingering questions and that's fine. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I I appreciate that a lot because again, that's not really the real focus of the episode. Right. Like the mystery of his water powers was not really the threat here. So nope. Yep. They put the focus on all the right stuff here. Yeah. For e- example, this next scene is really good. Um, this conversation that they have. So Mori asserts that now as Hydra Man, he can have anything that he wants. And Mary Jane is like, I'm not a thing. I'm a person, which is great. But what's even better and not good like in the context of what's happening here but like good writing wise is like his response to that is like such a quintessential like abuser thing Mm -hmm. like when she asserts the very basic like for real i'm not a thing i'm a person like should be really obvious and of course he still doesn't get it his response is like really uh it's 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 so gross he's like i don't want i don't want to own you i want to love you Mm -hmm. and his tone it's like they they do a, such a good job nailing his tone. So mm. I don't know if this is something that that 
you know, Paulson just already got or if, if you know, he was being directed to, to treat these types of interactions a certain way. But whatever whatever the, the behind the scenes uh, stuff was going on, like it's nailed in the episode yeah. because he 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 switches immediately into a nice guy persona. And that's like capital N, capital G, nice guy persona. That's like a studied persona yes. in like emotionally abusive relationships. And that's portrayed really well here. Yeah. It's like a true like like narcissist Mm-hmm. kind of tactic that he's using and and i mean i love i mean they they condense like all of these red flags and like things that people go through into like yeah. just like one-liners and stuff because there's so yeah. much packed into this little exchange i mean it's just like the 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 simple fact that it's sort of like it's always a performance for him essentially yeah. like it's it's a really sociopathic and like his his really flawed understanding of like i think you could argue that he fully believes that what love is mm-hmm. is just like the relationship that he wants to have with Mary Jane like it's not that like he is actively trying to be an abuser to her it's like for him this is just how it has to be oh, and i think yeah. that's that's like the the uh the really like fucked up tendencies that a lot of people have because they they can rationalize it and i think that's what makes them more dangerous when this is yeah. coming up because he legitimately thinks that like well I love her. She has to love me. And this is the only way to make that happen. And that makes him like so much more terrifying. Yeah. Well, and you, I, you know, you mentioned they like condense a lot of these behaviors into one episode, but I think one of the things that, that makes them be able to do that is the fact that this interaction in the episode is happening after like after years of them knowing each other. Yeah. So they broke up two years ago. They were dating for, we don't know how long that allows them to tell this story where he can exhibit all these behaviors already and it it still ends up being believable. I suspect, you know, you mentioned Lana Lang gets stalked by a bajillion different supervillains. I suspect at least some of those are people that didn't know her beforehand and that like Uh suddenly they're stalkers. Right, right. (laughs) That's not how it works. Right. And uh, I appreciate that the way that they opted to structure this is that this is an ex-boyfriend from a while ago, not just some rando dude that shows up and is exhibiting all these things because that's mm-hmm. that's just not realistic. Yeah, and like the, because he knows he knows all of her pain points, he mm-hmm. knows the things that are going to hurt her, but he also knows the things to appeal to or attempt to. Luckily for like for Mary Jane, like because they've had this relationship already, she fully recognizes when all of that happens, so he, yeah. he can never break that barrier. But then again, I think that's why the story can be told so briskly and like so with, with like such like brevity because like he, you immediately get to see both sides of him. You immediately get to see his nice guy persona, but then like it never works. So he immediately mm-hmm. switches back to like asshole abuser, like yeah. immediately because he doesn't have time to like, he's only going to exist in the, as a nice guy if he can thrive on it and get what he wants. And again, that's what makes him really dangerous because you can't appeal to that. Like her trying to tell him that like, I'm a person in theory that should, that's a true fact that should work. But that's never going to get through to him because he's so convinced that what he's doing is what he needs to do. And, and, and like, that's, that's, that's how focused that he, he is. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, you know, after saying like he loves her and, and he doesn't want to own her and, and does his nice guy thing. He, he says like, I just want you to remember that you also love me, <sighs> which no, no dude. And I, and she doesn't stand for it. You know, like none of this, she doesn't stand for any of this stuff. So she says right off the bat, like I never loved you. And that sets him off, which gosh, he sucks. He sucks so much. <laughs> so what he does, this is so outrageous. And this is, this is 
this is the one thing I think that they kind of have to do super powery things for because mm. the the real life analogy would not fly on um, a kid's show. Yeah. So basically when she does that and he gets really, really angry, when she asserts herself as a person and says, this is not what you're saying it is, he flips out and he tries to manipulate her by threatening to flood the entire city. They do make a note that he's flooding the city to have everybody leave. Um, but we know better than that. Like he's threatening yeah. to to kill all of New York. This is one that in real life tends to manifest as a threat towards oneself in an, in an attempt to manipulate people, right? So here, mm-hmm. because he's a superhero, he's threatening to use his superpowers to, to hurt other people. An emotionally abusive person in real life frequently, not always, isn't necessarily going to threaten other people physically, but will will sling something towards themselves to say, like, if you don't love me, I could never live anymore, right? Uh-huh. That type of thing. So that's what he's doing here. He, they're just doing it in a way that they can kind of pull off in the context of a kid show. Doesn't make it less scary or less threatening. It's actually really horrifying. Yeah, because it's still, it's essentially like putting... He's trying to put all the guilt and blame and responsibility on her ultimately. Yes, it's, just it's like, a condition. Well, yeah, yes, yes. It's it's like if, yeah. Well, it's not only that, it's also just sort of like, it's it's essentially like trying to pin all of the problems on the other person for not reciprocating like these feelings that are supposedly happening. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like, if you don't do this, like I'm not responsible for the yes. actions that, that you cause me to take yes. by giving me all the grief that you're giving me essentially. Right. Yes, he's he's holding her sort of emotionally hostage, or trying to. Yeah, he's trying to. It doesn't work on her, luckily, but like it doesn't make it any more scary or traumatizing when that oh, happens. No. Right, like, you can recognize sure. it all you want, but he can obviously take the actions and rampage all he wants and and take none of the blame for it. <laughs> Just be like, mm-hmm. you made me do this. You made me like this. Like, yeah. ugh. God. And rampage he does. He does rampage. I'm not really even sure what, what he's doing at this point, but he like... He, I guess probably because he can't flood the city, right? He's taking his anger out in a different way. He, like, just starts throwing his treasure around his hideout. He's like, I'm going to throw my things. I got, I I wonder, I don't know what gave me this sense, but I I got a vibe that it was, might have been, like, a rewrite or an ADR later on or something. Yeah. Because the flood the city stuff feels kind of, like, that sequence it's very clearly that it's like killing people, mm-hmm. but then like the narration that he kind of adds on there feels almost tacked on. Yeah. Um, and then that transitioning directly to him, just like indiscriminately throwing treasure with like no, no comment on it makes me mm. wonder if like the lines during the, his narration over the flooding sequence was different and something that maybe flowed a little bit more into like, I don't need the treasure or something like that. Oh, yeah, I could see like, that. M- I'm wondering if it was something a little darker that, like, the network ended up mixing and they had to kind of re- redub later on. I could see that because what he's saying is, like, he's going to flood everybody out of the city though, so that they can be alone together in New yeah. York. And that doesn't um, track with, like, getting, no. like, throwing the treasure around, you know? So Right. Because he could have – it, it could have been what you're talking about where he's like, well, I don't need any of this. I just need you. That's what this is all about or whatever. Yeah, I could see that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of, kind of reconciles a little bit of the weirdness yeah. <laughs> that happens in that moment. Yeah, and it doesn't like ultimately it doesn't. His rationalization, uh, rationale doesn't matter because it, all it boils down to is that like he's just going full rage mode because he yes. can't, get, can't get what he wants. Yes, yes. So Spider Man does end up showing up um, in time to try to stop him uh, from going full rage mode. 
he webs him with regular web first. I'm not really sure why he does that other than to get Mori's attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe to mislead him. I'm not really sure. But Mori, of course, is like, that doesn't work. Like, don't you know that that's not going to work? <laughs> and Spider-Man is like, well, guess what? I've got more than that. Uh, I don't remember what he actually says, but that's pretty much it. And Mori, you know, tries to do his whole liquefy thing. But Spider-Man, like, really lays into him with the new webbing. Um, he yeah. uses, like, an entire... Like, he, he says he's using the new batch. I suspect he's just, like, unloading an entire cartridge in there. <laughs> it seems like it. And what it does is it sort of turns, as 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 Spider-Man describes it, it sort of turns Hydro-Man into almost like a gelatin-like statue. Like, whatever it is he's using is is acting the same way that gelatin would. It's supposed to solidify him. Which, you know, we've talked many times about how horrifying those types of things are. <laughs> In this case, he deserves it. Yeah, so. well, he's not sympathetic at all like a lot of our other villains are. So turn him into whatever solid you want. <laughs> at this point, yeah. Yep, yep. Oh, boy. Unfortunately, it does not completely work. It holds him off, like, for a little bit. So, like, yes. it worked, but... Mori is strong enough to uh, to kind of seep through. He's able to kind of drip through like whatever pores are left uh, in that agent and escape. And Mary Jane sees it and asks what happened. So I, it doesn't work, but it it it's an important moment for the two of them to to have, where she says, "What did you just do?" And he explains sort of the science of of what he tried to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. So of course, uh, Hydro Man's out now. So Spider Man and Hydro Man clash. Um, and meanwhile, Mary Jane is able to escape. Uh, she runs from the hideout and through the city. Um, but of course, like, Mori is focused on her. So he screams that she cannot escape because he is everywhere. Ugh. So creepy. Yeah. And I think a pretty good, uh, not even quite a metaphor, just like a manifestation no. of like what, uh, what you feel like when you are like in the situation that Mary Jane is in with or in a relationship with an abuser that you feel like you can't escape that like has a lot of power over you for one reason or another. So it's also not an outlandish thing for him to say. Like that's a real life thing. Someone might say, I can yeah. find you anywhere. Like that's, <laughs> that's like just straight up real talk. That's, like, that's very true. Ugh. That's very true. <laughs> so he, he leaves Spider-Man to chase her through the streets and follows her to a recycling plant and she does like she fights back like hard yep. in this. It's it's rad. Like yeah. I dig it. <laughs> yeah, she's awesome. She like throws like a like some sort of hook, like crane hook or some sort of suspended hook at him. And then while he is sort of like trying to reform himself, she she like dumps a whole avalanche of paper on top of him uh-huh. to try to slow him down, yeah. which is which is awesome. She does a lot of things through yeah. these next couple areas. Yeah, well, and it's badass too because when she pushes the paper down, she goes down with it. Oh it's yeah, like an unstable she pile. She goes down with it, but then she still like just get is able to get up and run. <laughs> still, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. She um, in addition to those two things, she also I guess she runs from that whatever that paper storage place is in the recycling plant to like an incineration room. It seems like whatever. there's yeah. like two workers throwing stuff into a furnace, basically. Mm-hmm. And in there, she spots like a bucket of some sort of like gravel or, or something similar to that that's meant to 
throw on fires and she uses that then to throw at Mori, which is sort of similar to what Spider-Man was doing. But yeah, I don't know that she necessarily thinks that's going to work, but everything she's doing is like slowing him down. Like yes. she sees that you can do it, that there are things you can do. And she keeps sort of like throwing thing after thing after him while she gets further and further away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. By throwing that fire stuff on him, that kind of like, he almost falls into the incinerator actually. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I know. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like he lands on it and he just kind of happens to roll off of the table before it goes into the fire. So like, damn. Mm -hmm. So close. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And you can, you can tell they animate it really well because he's constantly has like sweat and steam kind of coming off of him as this is going on. Like you can tell that he's, he's weakening and um, like he's, yeah, he's weakening basically. And she is able to kind of stave him off enough to get to the roof of the building. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, she's on the roof. There's nowhere else that she can run. She even comments on it. So Hydra man thinks that he's one Spider-Man arrives to the roof and sees like that. Hydra man is very weakened and moving very slowly. Um, and Mori is still doing his like, I can't be beaten. And Spider-Man's like, she already has, she's already done it, dude. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't even have to do anything. Like, uh, she beat mm-hmm. you, man. Yeah, it's it's so funny that, like, Mary Jane is doing all this stuff to defeat Hydro Man and does it without any sort of, like, real words. And then Spider-Man shows up and is like, let me tell you exactly what she just did to defeat yeah. you. <laughs> it's like, shut up, Spider-Man. It's such a fun inversion <laughs> because we're so used to hearing Spider-Man's narration constantly yeah. through everything that he does. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's such it's so fun. I think that makes the scene feel different because the whole yeah. time you're getting zero dialogue from Mary Jane other than her, like, yelling Maury, like, yeah. once. No dialogue. It's just her doing stuff, which is yeah. so cool. She just gets down to business. Yeah, and it, and and I love that. Like, uh, it's just it's so well it's so well handled because she's not doing any of this like fake action girl stuff. Like, she's not right. doing some backflip and like kicking him in the face or whatever. Like, she's just like being smart enough to use the world around her against yeah. him. Like, she's she sees stuff and she comes up with a very clear plan and she sees little things along the way that she can do to help her plan and she does mm-hmm. them and it's all really reasonable. Like. Reasonable stuff. It's it's a lot more akin to like a final girl in a horror movie, except yeah. like even better than that because right. like <laughs> she's like she's not a damsel like at all in this, in this scenario. <laughs> right, right, for sure. Well, Spider Man does explain like he he literally just <laughs> like lays the whole thing out. <laughs> Says that you know what Mary Jane has done is she's drawn you far away from the water enough so that you can't maintain a liquid form. That's what she's done. Like she, you're you've got nothing left, dude. Um, this mm-hmm. obviously doesn't sit well with him, <laughs> and he once again tries to make the claim that I you know I love you, Mary Jane, and she responds in a way that I think is so awesome uh. to include in the show, knowing so many children are watching it, and parents watching with their children and teenagers mm-hmm. watching, and just everybody watching. Mm-hmm. She says, "You don't kidnap people you love, Maury. You don't force yourself on people you love, uh. which is such a good thing to include. I'm so glad that they included the last, like they didn't end it with kidnapping. They they yeah. ended it with that last mm-hmm. line because that's so good. It's so, it's like just so naturally included in, in the universe. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's, it's part of what's going on. And yet it's such an important thing for people to hear outside of the show. 
Yeah, they're not hammering it in like 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 it's an Aesop or anything like that. Like this isn't mm-hmm. the lesson to be learned from the episode, but it actually is. Like it's not presented right. like that. That's just sort of like the little uh, the little endpoint for everything that we've seen up to this point. Yeah, and I think that makes it land a lot better because it's sort of like, oh, okay, I get why Mary Jane would be saying that in that situation, and I fully get what she means when she mm-hmm. says that. Yeah, for sure. So one thing that's really interesting about this is that Mary Jane, despite sort of like, like defeating him and running from him and really like have like having strong reason to (laughs) want (laughs) the worst for him. She still says like, we got to find him help, which um, is, is uh, you're, you're such a good person, Mary Jane. So much compassion. This guy sucks. Just let him evaporate and die. But Mm -hmm. uh, you're better than that. And I appreciate that. Um, so she says, like, we got to we got to get this guy some help. Uh, Maury obviously is like, nope, I'm just going to kill everything. And he tries to attack Spider-Man. This is where we get another another bit from the um, or that's included in the uh, opening sequence. Maury tries to, like, jump and tackle Spider-Man, but he does it in liquid form. So he ends up just landing sort of as a puddle on the roof. And this this is bad because he can't keep himself together. So he ends up just sort of like evaporating underneath the sun on this roof like yep. there's no cover he's just exposed mm-hmm. and so he's just just sort of like i don't know steams off like, like what what is that experience like i have so many que- like there's so many questions that like i haven't been thinking about throughout this because everything else like all the human stuff has been so yeah. engaging but like what is it like to be Hydro Man? Like when you're in water form, like what is that like? Yeah. And what is it like to evaporate off of the top of a building? <laughs> Honestly, it's a good question to ask because Mary Jane is like, basically without saying it outright, she basically asks if they killed Maury. Um, and Spider-Man basically says like, I don't know exactly what he says. I didn't write it word for word, but he like explains the solvency of water and how it like tends to be more resilient than mm. other materials, which to me makes it sound like he's saying like, no, he's not dead. He's just evaporated. It's like, thanks for the reassurance, butto. So wait, is that better or worse? Like we're not, I don't understand. <laughs> yep. Well, I think the show is just like, let's not think about that guys. Yeah. <laughs> we can't kill him. But also, we don't want to just say that he's going to come back. Yeah. So maybe he's just in a living hell for the for all like just as water particles just uh split up across the entire world, yeah. and he will always be conscious, like yeah. like in that fragmented form. You know what, Maury Bench, you've earned that. Uh huh. You've yeah. earned that living hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh boy. But yeah. But even I still I still really do like that that Mary Jane still like wanted to get him help. Like ultimately, like, I think that that's such a, it's, it's, it's weird in the context of like how awful that he is as a human being, but like, it's still such a testament to like how well-written she is in this, where it's still just like, but he's still like a person that maybe he can rehabilitate. I don't know. You know, she clearly saw something in him when they first started dating. Um, So I think that that's, that's really uh, understandable. I don't even think it's necessarily a rehabilitation thing. Cause I don't think they make it come from any place of like, caring for him that's true i think it comes solely from the fact that like mary jane is not going to she's not going to advocate for basically the death penalty right like she's Uh not she's not gonna you know sentence this guy to death because i just don't think she's like believes in that i don't think she would believe that's justice so i think it's purely from the point that she's like seeing this guy die um and is like that's not what i want i I want this to be handled the right way 
that makes sense that makes sense i like i buy yeah i like that ah god it's so good (laughs) uh it is really good yeah, so we're just about we're just about done here. So uh, it is also worth noting that when Spider-Man is kind of explaining all the science stuff about how Mori may or may not be dead, maybe in like a living hell for all eternity, <laughs> that's when Mary Jane is just like brother. Why she call? I think she calls him brother. It's cute. It's like brother. You remind me of my friend Peter Parker. To which Spider-Man says, "Hey, don't insult me." Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. <laughs> Weird thing to say, but I guess. He would know who Peter Parker is. Yeah. Yeah. So later that evening, uh, we actually see Peter and Mary Jane playing a carnival game together at Coney Island. So the date is on or just hang out, whatever, you know, either one's cool. (laughs) Um, But they're hanging out at Coney Island um, and Mary Jane ends up winning Peter a stuffed cow because Peter sucks at throwing a ball into a milk jug and she does not. (laughs) She actually does it, I think, behind the back. (laughs) Yeah. Like a funny detail to include. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And she says, kind of like more in her her typical attitude, like I think we're supposed to understand that like she's relieved and she's a little bit more back to to herself. Yeah. Uh, She says, stick with me, Tiger, and I'll show you how to beat the odds. Mm -hmm. So a little bit bit of Mary Jane classic there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And of course, because water is everywhere, a thunderstorm hits. It is raining very hard. Um, they hide under a copy of the Bugle with a new front page headline that says, Co-Ed Escapes Mystery Thief. Spider-Man cleared. Cool. <laughs> yep. Yep. I, it's funny that like that's the reason that they have it raining is like to show this front page because I fully was expecting like, oh, it's raining. We just saw him evaporate. We're about to see him sort of like show up in a dark corner somewhere, which yeah. honestly, I'm glad they didn't do because that would have been like a terribly downer way to end the episode uh-huh. <laughs> but I, I still think we understand that that's probably what's happening <laughs> yeah yeah well I, and i love the because the focus of this is is pretty clearly like that she is now able to move on like she was trying yes. to do before so like this this essentially it's yeah i mean it's it's funny because it's sort of like this whole situation it's not like it reaffirms her faith in men or anything like no. that all but all it really does is sort of like gives her a moment to kind of like recalibrate essentially and just sort of like reflect on the relationship that she had and almost kind of like put a capper on it and just be like, Oh yeah, I was right to break up with him. I don't ever have to think about that anymore. And I'm strong enough to fight him off. Like mm-hmm. even, even if he is like the strongest supervillain in Spider-Man's rogue rogues gallery at this point, I can still essentially fight him off solo. So yeah, maybe I'm okay to uh, date other people now. Yeah. And I, I really appreciate that. And and she signals that she is able to move on by kissing Peter Parker under the Daily Bugle as it rains yes. romantically. Ah. <laughs> yeah, it's so nice. Oh, and I guess we should note that like the 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 sort of reflection that Peter has that he learns in the situation is that it's like if if Mary Jane is able to go through this shit, <laughs> which yeah. pale like my my mutation sickness that may or may not even be like a thing. Like who even right. knows what's going to happen with that? That pales in comparison to like what just happened with her and right. she's like just immediately like fine and like strong enough to get through it and go to a carnival and and be cool with it so like maybe i should stop whining all the time Mm -hmm. yeah i agree peter Uh (laughs) uh-huh less whining is always good (laughs) 
Yeah. So before we get to the conclusion, real quick, so the art and the animation in this episode is really freaking great. So like there isn't there is not like a face of the episode because everything's perfect and amazing. I do like think the animators went like overtime because anytime they show extras in this episode, it's not just like a generic like person and like no. everybody has like a different body type yeah they're like designed characters yeah there's like a, a handful of people that are shown like that are like really like heavy like there's people that all like nobody nobody has like the same like bodybuilder like mm-hmm. type and everyone is like very distinct um and i think one good example was one screenshot from people looking on at the geyser and it's like an old guy, a little kid, and like a middle-aged guy, and all of them look completely different. Completely yeah. different, and yeah. very specific. Like you wouldn't, you could guess that they were like main characters in in the episode, like in an episode at one point. Yeah, they're so much more detailed than you would ever expect extras to be in an animated show. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, it's really really impressive, <laughs> especially especially this one. So just thought that was worth calling out because yeah. th- nothing was bad in this episode, honestly, no. animation no. wise. So, ah, uh, so good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this whole episode is so good. It really is. I uh, like I said, did not did not expect it going into it because it's like I don't know. I feel like we're. I mean, you know, like we said, we're used to this show the way it handles women. We're mm-hmm. used to how a lot of superhero media handles women. Yep used to a lot of like how spider-man tropes often handle women <laughs> yeah you know it's just like it's not and it's not just about how it handles mary jane like as a woman it's just like how it handles this like really often kind of tough to write about material and content but like does it with just like such a deft hand like i'm so impressed by how well yeah. it all works when it could have fallen apart really easily like and i but i i don't think it's just a low expectation like high high uh execution thing like i think just like flat out objectively this is just a really well done episode yeah no i think there are so many pitfalls to uh to encounter when you're writing something like this and to to do it so well especially in a show that i i know i know the people making the show took it very seriously but the type of show that people frequently don't take seriously to have such a well-done episode about this topic in that type of show is just, like, mm-hmm. I appreciate it so much more because it's not even where you expect this type of thing. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, this isn't an episode of Seventh Heaven where you expect, like, every episode to be, like, devastating, like, in its content and heavy and have, like, a, <laughs> like, really thickly laid on moral at the end. Like, no, this is, like, a show that you might just show up for because you like Spider-Man and superheroes, and you ended up with a really well-crafted, seemingly with ease, but certainly, I'm sure not, Mm -hmm. episode about a really, really serious, uh, realistic topic. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, yeah, it's just – and the fact that this show up to this point has been so Spider-Man-centric and Peter-centric, I feel like this is really the first one – we sort of got like a Jameson centric ish episode in the Scorpion one, mm-hmm. but like this is the first time that we're really going so hard on like the psyche of and and background of one of the supporting characters, and particularly one that was not really super well drawn in the first season. Like she just kind of would yeah. pop up and be kind of flirty and that's really <laughs> all that whatever happened. Yeah. Um. So I, I'm really glad that it was handled so well, and also and and then the fact that it's just like. Any of Spider-Man's love interests, it's always kind of dicey in a lot of these shows because they're often just the love interests and there's a history of, like, Spider-Man stories. I mean, like, I feel like we brought up uh, a lot in Spectacular Spider-Man 
where it was sort of like Gwen Stacy's whole thing up until Spider Gwen was just like her dying. Like it's just oh, like, God. oh, she's yeah. the girlfriend that makes Spider-Man sad because she died. And yep. it's sort of like that was such a common thing. And it's sort of like every every Spider-Man story that has Gwen Stacy in it dies. Like Gwen Stacy gets killed by Green Goblin. Gwen right. Stacy gets killed by Carnage. Gwen Stacy gets killed by Condiment King or whatever. Like yeah. it always happens, right? So it's like it's it's really easy, I think, to have low expectations about that kind of stuff. And I think that makes it even more... Even even better when we get this dive into Mary Jane, again, a character who is not super well drawn in the show. And it's just like, it's really realistic. It's really authentic. And it's really powerful and kind of poignant. And I think like really relatable. And I think this episode hit me in ways that I was not expecting it to going mm-hmm. into it at yeah. all. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, it's uh, masterful, one might say. It's a really ma- – it's masterful. Yeah, this is definitely one of the best episodes I think that we have watched of, 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 of all of the shows, of the shows in this podcast for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and it's definitely one I think I will be thinking about for a long time yes, afterwards. Yes, yes, for sure. Same. Yes. yes. Big time. Well <laughs> – weird <laughs> there's no way to pivot from this nope. um so i'm just gonna say uh if you'd like to support our content more um you can uh go to our patreon and support us there we have a lot of cool stuff we actually have some big plans coming up um so you will see more on there yeah. but like we said you can kind of get a get a taste of a lot of the content that we have during the month of december since we have those free commentary episodes that are normally kind of locked down mm-hmm. but um even there's more than that as well that you can get so if you want to play like our walloping word snappers game, which um, patrons can contribute like uh, some random words or phrases that we have to work into these episodes, no matter how weird or off kilter they are. So um, (laughs) we we have to work them in. So um, if you want to play that, you can become a patron um, to play that game among getting other perks um, like, you know, some, some, uh, some little special uh, benefits. Anytime we ever have like a, a bonus episode, those things will be uh, exclusive to patrons. You'll get early access to episodes, things like that. So definitely check that out at patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers and um, support us and help us do what we're doing. We're going to be doing episodes regardless, but um, having more support really helps us to be able to do even more. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So hopefully you will check that out. And if you would like to check out what we are doing just in general as individuals on the internet, you can do that as well. We welcome it. Derek, where can people find you and the things you are working on? Uh-huh. You can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale, tweeting about lots of lots of stuff that I watch. I'm currently ooh, I'm currently watching through um, So Weird on Disney+. Plus. This is <laughs> going to be such like a deep cut, but like... It's a great show, guys. It's so good. Um, And so I'm tweeting about a lot of my thoughts about that um, and anything else that I watch as well. Um, That's just a little sampling of it. And uh, you can also find me on YouTube under my show Second Chance, which looks at – it's a video essay series, I should say, that looks at um, media that's usually considered bad or divisive and trying to look at it with a positive lens um, and trying to kind of dig deeper why people might like it if they do like it, um, even if the rest of us don't. So definitely check that out. And Doug, where can we find you? You can typically find me on Twitter at IckyBooley, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y, talking about anything that I might think about in the moment, except I don't really, I'm not really that guy. Um, I don't tweet all that much, but when I do, I make it count. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
But uh, you're welcome to follow me there and, and, and interact. Lately, it's been a lot of Pokemon stuff because of the new game. And speaking of Pokemon, if you are into that type of thing, I am also on Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast here on the 4-Eyed Radio Network, uh, where my co-host Kyle and I talk about Pokemon as we feel like it. Um, we just, I think, probably have finished up most of our formal conversation about Sword and Shield at this point, unless we just couldn't stop talking about it. But there should be plenty of content there if you have been playing those games as well. And if you would like to find more Walloping Web Snappers content, please feel free to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Walloping Web Pod. You can also email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com, whatever you would like. We welcome all sorts of things like suggestions, feedback, and fan art. Um, speaking of feedback, if you would rate, review, and subscribe us on Apple Podcasts or whatever you listen to your podcasts on that allow you to rate and review, we would love that because what that actually does is it helps people find us. So if you're listening to this and you like it, we would love to make sure that other people who would like it can find it as well. Yes. And next time, we will be ringing in the new year with an extra special episode. You get to listen to us watch the two-part X-Men crossover for the first time in years, maybe even decades, right here. Because on New Year's Eve, look out for our commentaries on the Spider-Man, the animated series episodes, The Mutant Agenda, and Mutant's Revenge. Plus, some very, very special announcements for the new year. Oh, yeah. See you there. See ya.